It was awesome. Yeah, that, um, it was just awesome that they came down to uh, bless us and, uh, and lead us in worship. And after, after service is over, you guys should uh, go and give them hugs and just uh, give them a warm feeling welcome, right? That'd be awesome. So, um, well, today is uh, Youth Sunday. Um, for those of you who didn't know, we have a, you know, we had a special band here. We had some of the youth ushering and greeting, and it was um, something that we, we get to do um, every fifth Sunday here. And we get to kind of have the youth come out and serve you guys, and, and you can see uh, the, how these, uh, these junior high and high schoolers, how they just, they love Jesus, and they love you guys. They want to serve you as well, but they want to worship the Lord, so that's awesome. Um, yeah, if you guys weren't here yesterday, we had our Harvest Festival. It was, um, it was an amazing time. We probably had one of the biggest crowds we've, we've probably ever had here, and there was so many families, so many kids that we got to minister to, that we got to um, give the gospel message to, so it was it was awesome. So continue to pray um, <clears throat> for what the Lord is going to do with that. You know, we know His Word doesn't come back void, so it was just really cool to see all the, all the, um, the just the community come over there, and just all the, all the help that we had as well, all the people who had. We had a lot of um, different games and booths going on, and, and it was just awesome the, how the churches came together and just to do the work of the Lord, so it was really cool. But with that, let's, um, let's turn into, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 today. And uh, as always, every time when Pastor Zeke is in and one of us teaches, we're going to be going through 1 Corinthians. So we are making our way through 1 Corinthians. We're in chapter 9 this morning. Give you guys a moment to get there. Let's start at 1 Corinthians chapter 9, starting at verse 1. It says this, I, um, Am I not free? Am I not an apostle? Have I not seen Jesus our Lord? Are you not my work in the Lord? If to others I may not, I am not an apostle, at least I am to you, for you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. Verse 3, My defense to those who examine me is this, Do we not have a right to eat and drink? Do we not have a right to take along a believing wife, even as the rest of the apostles and the brothers of the Lord and Cephas? Or do only Barnabas and I not have the right to refrain from work? Who, who at any time serves as a soldier at his own expense? Who plants a vineyard and does not eat the fruit of it? Or who tends a flock and does not use its milk, use the milk of the flock? I am not speaking these things according to human judgment, am I? Or do you not know, or does not the law also say these things? For it is written in the law of Moses, You shall not muzzle the ox while he is threshing. God is not concerned about ox, is he? Or is he speaking altogether for our sakes? Yes, for our sakes it is written, because the plowman ought to plow in hope, the thresher to thresh in hope of sharing the crops. If we sowed spiritual things in you, is it too much if we reap material things from you? If others share the right over you, do we not more? Nevertheless, we did not use this right, but we endure all things so that we, that, so that we will cause no hindrance to the gospel of Christ. Do you not know that those who perform sacred service eat the food of the temple, and those who attend regularly to the altar have their share from the altar? So also the Lord directed those who, pra- who proclaim the gospel to get their living from the gospel. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much for this morning, Lord, and we thank you, Lord, that you are good, Father. Lord, that, um, Lord we know that you're faithful, Lord. You're never going to let us down. Your word says even, even when we're faithless, you remain faithful because you cannot deny yourself. God, that, that is who you are, God. And we thank you, Lord. Um, Lord, this morning, Father, we want to um, we want to hear from you, Lord. Lord, you want to speak to us, Father. Your Spirit wants to, Lord, teach us, Lord. And um, 
Lord, make us more into the image of your Son, Lord, and I pray that we would have open hearts, open ears, open, open eyes, Father, to um, Lord, to hear what your Spirit says to us this morning, Father, we just, um, we just worship you and we love you, Lord, in your name, amen. All right, <clears throat> well, last week uh, we left off, or not last week, the last time we were in First Corinthians, Pastor Gary, he taught, and um, what we kind of went over was Christian liberty, the freedoms that we have in Christ, um, but at the same time, even though we have these freedoms in Christ, um, we have to watch out for our, uh, you know, our, our weaker brothers and sisters. What was happening in Corinth is, um, you know, it was a it was a pagan society, so they worshipped different false gods and different religions, and and a lot of what these Christians in Corinth came out of was um, idolatry. And what they would do is um, they would sacrifice meat to idols, and then they you know, they would sell them to in the local marketplace or the local maybe restaurant, whatever. And, and for some Christians, it was okay because they knew there was only one true living God. So to sacrifice to a God that didn't exist wasn't a big deal. Like, you know, we'll, we eat the meat. It's, it's nothing. It's nothing uh, that I have to stumble over or do anything. But for, but for other Christians, for, other, for these other Christians in Corinth, for them, it was a big deal because they came out of idolatry. It was so much ingrained in their culture and in, and in their, um, <clears throat> their upbringing that it was, it, was, um, it was a stumbling block to them. It, it caused temptation. It caused them to possibly even go back to those ways and Paul say no like those of you who have this superior knowledge who think you're mature then you need to you need to watch out for your brothers and sisters and sometimes we might think oh that's, that doesn't sound fair and like you know they're you know we, we can have this attitude where it's like oh well you know they're you know they need to just deal with that you know I'm, I'm doing my thing I have freedom in Christ I have these liberties but we have to understand that um our liberty you know with our liberty comes responsibility right our, uh, our liberty in, in Christ is inseparably tied to our Christian responsibility for each other. Right? The, the, the word is clear on that, that we need to love each other, that we need to bear each other's burden. So, um, so when we, can, you know, we can try to make the arguments, oh, I can do this, I can do that, and you know, they just need to deal with it. That's, that's not the, the heart and the mind of Christ, and we need to remember that. Um, <clears throat> I was uh, just looking over some commentaries, and I saw this one uh, from J. Vernon McGee. I don't know if you guys ever heard him. He's an older... Um, pastor, he's, uh, you know, he's, he's gone to be with the Lord, but he's awesome. He's one of those guys you just want to have a conversation with, or, or the type of guy you want to read you a bedtime story. He just, like, he has one of those voices that'll, um, that's just awesome. But he says this in regards to Christian's liberty. He says, uh, it is your freedom to swing your fist in, in any direction you please, but where my nose starts, your freedom ends. And I think that's an interesting little uh, phrase and, and understanding that we have um, in our liberty, we have responsibility for one another, to love one another, to serve one another. And to make sure we don't stumble each other. Philippians 2, 1 through 4 says this. It says, Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Any comfort from his love? Any fellowship together in his spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another and working together with one mind and purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take interest in others too. That's, pretty, that's uh, Paul talking to the Philippians. That's pretty, um, you know, pretty straightforward and hard to. Uh, <clears throat> sometimes it's, it's one of those hard things to, to do. But, um, but that's where we left off last time we were in Corinthians. And as we get into um, chapter nine, it might kind of seem like we're kind of like interrupting or, or kind of getting to a different thought. But, but he's um, what Paul is going to do here. He's going to talk about the, you know, the, the responsibility, if you will, or the in regards to, to ministers and, and being basically financially uh, supported by, their, by the people they minister to, but how he uses all this to say he has this right as an apostle, as a, as a teacher, as a minister, but 
yet he refrained from this right so he can preach the gospel because because some of these um, <clears throat> Corinthians, these, these ones with superior knowledge and maturity, they might be like, well, what about you, Paul? You want us to do this, to lay aside our liberties? What are you doing about it? But he would say, he says, well, look what I'm doing. Look at, he's, he's going to give this proofs in the word of God and everything that as, 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 as a minister, you should be supporting me. But I haven't asked for any of that. I've refused those things like, so the gospel won't be um, hindered. But he says all these things. And, um, and it's interesting because, uh, you know, as, as I was reading this, as I was studying for this text, like four months ago when I wasn't in the position that I'm here now, I'd, it'd be a lot more easier to be like, yeah, we need to support. We need to make sure we're, you know, supporting our pastors because they do things that I'm not able to do. I work full time, but they're able to minister. They're able, they're able to counsel people, go on campus and, 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 uh, you know, they, they have to go and do and funerals for people to meet with grieving families and all these things that I wasn't able to do. It's like, so yes, let's, let's, um, let's support them. You know, we support missionaries. You know, I'm not, obviously I'm not called to be a missionary, but I, I support missions and what God wants to do in the, in, in the rest of the world. So yeah, I'm going to support missionaries and people. There's people that we and my wife, we support financially in regards to that. And it'd be a, a lot easier to do that. But now like, I'm on, it's like the flip side now, right? I'm on this side and and it's kind of, it, it's, I don't know, maybe it's a little awkward for me now, right? Or whatever the case may be, but, um, but we're, we're going to see here what the, what the Word says in regards to these things. But in the end, Paul, wants, Paul doesn't want us to lose the context of what we're talking about. We're talking about how our liberty and responsibility in Jesus Christ for each other, how we have these liberties in Christ to do, to do, these, to do, to do whatever. But, but if they begin to cause our brothers or sisters to stumble, then that's, it's no longer liberty. It's, it's a, in, basically a sin to us, right? So as we get into here, let's read, starting at verse 1. He asks, um, <clears throat> am I not free? Am I not an apostle? Have I not seen Jesus our Lord? Are you not my work in the Lord? So this first verse, he's kind of asking those you know, rhetorical questions, like, oh, yeah, you are. Of course you are, Paul. You're, you're an apostle. Yeah, you're... you're um, you know, you're, you've seen Jesus, and, and we've seen all these things. And, and Paul says this from the get-go, because from, from, from Paul's um, conversion, and as he started preaching the gospel, because we know before he was Paul, he was Saul of Tarsus, and he persecuted the church. He thought he was doing God's work. He was trying to get rid of this evil sect of Christians called the Way at the time. But then, on his road to Damascus, as we might know in the, in the book of Acts, you know, he has an encounter with Jesus Christ. And Jesus comes, and, and after that, his life has changed forever. Now he becomes an apostle, and he's going out to the Gentile world and preaching Jesus Christ and him crucified. But um, his whole, basically his whole apostleship, he's been, he's having the battle because he wasn't part of the original disciples. So there was those, um, you know, other teachers that would come in, these, these false teachers, or, or uh, he, he had some opponents that basically would, would question his authority, would question his authenticity, I think I said that right, authenticity, right, of his, of his apostleship to say, is he really even apostle? He wasn't with the original, the original, he wasn't with Peter, James, and John, he wasn't with those guys, he wasn't with Jesus, but we know that he saw Jesus, and that he spent, in Galatians, we read a little more about it, he spent three years learning from the Lord, I don't know how exactly, it doesn't give you a, a description, but he had this, this encounter with the Lord, it says in uh, Galatians 1, it says this, this letter is from Paul, an apostle. I was not appointed by any group of people or any human authority, but by Jesus Christ himself and by God the Father who raised Jesus from the dead. Um, in verse 11 and 12 of chapter 1, it says, As dear brothers and sisters, I want you to understand that the gospel message I preach is not based on mere human reasoning. I received my message, not from, um, my message from no human source, and no one taught me. Instead, I received it directly from a revelation of Jesus Christ. 
So even in Galatians, he was dealing with, with these teachers that were coming in and were basically trying to challenge Paul's authority to the rest of the church, saying, is he really an apostle? Can we really trust this guy? He wasn't with, he wasn't with Jesus and during his earthly ministry, so how can, we, how can we trust what he says? But he would say that he, he was able to see. One of, the, one of the prerequisites for being an apostle was, was seeing the resurrected Lord. And uh, again, we don't know exactly how we, what the revelation was exactly, but he saw him, and, and, um, and he's kind of, you know, throughout his whole, again, his apostleship, he had to kind of defend and say, hey, no, I am an apostle of Christ. And then he goes on right here in verse 2. He says this, he says, if, if to others I am not an apostle, at least I am to you, for you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. And he's basically saying, hey, you guys are the seal of my apostleship, like you, you, you church in Corinth because of what God is doing in, in your lives. Corinth was not a, an easy place to um, minister to. It was basically, it was just full of immorality, idolatry. It was just, uh, it was, it was just a really hard place. It was just sin was running rampant. You might even call it like a, a stronghold of Satan. So you know, he was going into enemy territory and he was, he was preaching the gospel. He was ministering to people. It wasn't easy. <clears throat> in um, Acts 18, 9 and 11, you know, Jesus himself, he comes to Paul, it says in a vision, to, to encourage him, he says this, One night the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision and told him, Don't be afraid. Speak out. Don't be silent, for I am with you, and no one will attack you and harm you. For many people in the city belong to me. So Paul stayed there for the next year and a half teaching the word of God. But you see, uh, even Jesus had to come and, in a vision and encourage, encourage Paul because it was hard over there. He was like, man, these... I don't know if I'm going to get persecuted, if I'm going to get beat up, or even you know, potentially killed. And and we can see, um, you know, even though we we read Paul's letters we, throughout the New Testament, we can hear his authority and how how he's a strong, um, you know, the strong apostle. But like he had the same type of fears that we can have sometimes. And Jesus Himself had to come and encourage him. So Paul wasn't a, I mean, Corinth wasn't an easy place to minister to. But but Paul says here, you guys are the seal of my apostleship. Look what the Lord has done in this city, with all this idolatry, with all these, all these, these things that, that appeal to our flesh, to your flesh. He's like, but, but God is doing the work. You've forsaken those things, and you're serving the living God. And so you guys are like the proof of my apostleship. If, if no one else thinks I'm an apostle, you guys should, because look, look what the Lord has done through me in your guys' lives. So he's, uh, he's basically trying, again, he's trying to just, just to, to, lay this, to lay this idea, it's like, hey, I am an apostle, then he's going to go into what his rights are as an apostle in regards, again, to, to, the, uh, to a minister, to a, a pastor, or any type of elder. <clears throat> it says in verse 3, My defense to those who examine me is this. And again, he's, he's basically saying he didn't have this, like, do as I do, or don't do as I do, do as I say mentality. Maybe, you know, our parents used to tell us that when we were little. Like, do as I do, don't, you know, just do as I do. Do, do as I uh, say, not as I do, right? Or whatever, whatever the, however it goes. But he didn't have this mentality you know, he anticipated a counterattack, a pushback from, again, these, these uh, mature Christians, these, these ones with superior knowledge, like, hey, what about, you know, what about your life, Paul? Are, are you, you know, you want us to give up these things? What about, you know, what, what about you? What are you doing? Right, they're going to scrutinize in his life. And, uh, again, he's going to lay down his rights as, uh, again, as being a pastor. And, and, you know, again, before I became, uh, in, in, before I became this role, like about, it's been about three and a half months or so, you know, like, uh, again, it would be a lot easier to, to teach this, to be like, yeah, be like, yeah, I, because I understood that the, you know, part of, part of giving and, and um, part of the reasons why we, you know, we give to the church is, is because we can port, support God's ministry, what he's doing in this area. 
right? And it'd be easy for me, like, yeah, let, let, let's do this. Like, you know, let, let's give to the Lord. Let's give to the church because God is doing work. He's using, you know, the, the pastors here, the staff here to, to reach out because there's things I can't do, you know, because I, I work, I have the support my family, so I'm not able to do all these things. But, um, you know, and, and uh, you know, the, one of the reasons too is because we, I, I, was, I was blessed by my, you know, my pastors and, and everyone who taught me the word, who discipled me, who took time to, to raise me up, and, and uh, I was able to, you know, to receive those spiritual blessings from them. And it was, you know, just reading the word, it's like, yeah, like it, it's, a, it's a no-brainer that I should support them because so they can, so they have to worry about all these other things. They can worry about ministering to, the, ministering to people getting the gospel out there, but, you know, but again, now I'm on this, this opposite end of it, so it's just, um, it's just a funny thing, but he says here again, um, those who examine you, basically that word in regards to examine his defense is like a, it's like a legal term, like he's being in court, and he's being examined by a, a prosecutor in regards to his life, and what it's, and what it's about, if he can say, you know, the, the things he's telling this Corinthian church to do, these instructions, is he doing the same thing, is he leading by example, basically. And he says here in verse 4, he says, Do we not have the right to eat and drink? In other words, do we not have the right to eat and drink at your expense? Right? He's not saying, do we not have the, do we not have the right to eat and drink at all? But he's saying that, like, if, if, if we come and say, hey, you know, can I, can I have a meal or can I have something to, to drink? Do we not have this right to ask you of these things? And the answer would be, well, of course you do, right? You know, when Jesus sent out his disciples in uh, Luke chapter 10, they went out to go preach to, the, preach to, to people about the kingdom of heaven. And he told them, you know, don't, you know, don't take a money purse, don't take two coats, don't take a staff. He says, wherever you go, if they receive you, you know, take whatever's placed upon you, right? Whatever they give you, just receive it with, with gladness. And he says in verse, uh, Luke 10, verse 10, because the worker is worthy of his wages, right? Jesus says this to his disciples, and that's kind of the, maybe the principle in regards, uh, in regards to how we should be supporting that. And, and I know, um, you know, as we continue on, you know, there's, there's, there's a, you know, there's that, uh, there's those issues in regards to that. I was like, well, you know, how, well, how much are, are you supposed to support a, uh, support a pastor? How much should they be receiving? You know, we've seen in the church, we've seen out there, like, the abuse of that, where, you know, some pastors, they, they kind of abuse that authority, and they're, you know, they're, they're, they're making the big bucks, or whatever the case may be, but um, it, it's in the, you know, from the onset of this, it was never meant, you know, the, this office of a pastor was never meant to be, like, a lucrative thing, you know, I'm never going to be a millionaire, nor nor I don't desire to be those things. And and uh, and sometimes when I when I went to, you know, I, I was able to go to Bible college when I was younger, right? Uh, and when I was working, people asked me at work, "Oh, you went to Bible college? It's like, are you going to be a pastor one day?" Say, like, "That's what the Lord wants." You know, that's that's a. I believe something He's placed in my heart, but I don't know whenever His timing is. And some of them, you know, some are like, "Oh, that, that that's a good, you know, that that's a good uh, profession. You're going to make some some good money." I was like, "I don't I don't think so." You know, that's not that's not the reason why I got into it. That's not the reason why. I went to school for those things. I went, I went, I, I did those things because I wanted to be ready if the Lord ever called me to that. But see, there's sometimes there's these, these thoughts in the world. It's like, oh, like pastors, they make a lot of money. But some people think, well, should a pastor be making so much money? And there's, and there's just kind of, um, there's these debates and arguments. But again, as we see, as we're looking through the word, we're going to see um, just kind of what Paul says in regards to this. But he says, hey, if we, do, I, do we not have the right to eat or drink? In verse 5, do we not have the right to take along a believing wife? even as the rest of the apostles and the brothers of the Lord and Cephas. So basically what was going on, you know, some of these apostles, they were going out with their wives and ministering together, and, and the church was supporting him and his wife. And, um, and that's one of the things that was, it was an okay thing. It wasn't like a, it wasn't a, something that was like, 
foreign or something that was like, oh, this shouldn't be happening. But they supported them in regards to that. And they were going out with their wives, and, and probably because they had wives, I'm sure they had children as well. But he was going out, and, he, and he's saying again, like, do we not have the right to take on a believing wife? We know at this time Paul wasn't you know, a married man, and there's, again, debate. Was he married beforehand or what happened if he was, whatever the case may be. And uh, you know, the scripture is silent on it, so we can, you know, we can have our opinions and make our, our theories. But again, we don't, we don't know for certain. But he says here, you know, we have, do we not have the right to take on a believing, right, a believing wife, as do some of the rest of the apostles, even Peter as well? You know? And that's interesting as well, because you know, there's a lot of uh, the Catholic Church, they believe Peter would be the first pope, and you know, the popes don't get married, and priests don't get married. But apparently Peter was married, right? Obviously, and we read in the Gospels as well that, you know, that it says that when, when Peter went to the house, that, his, that, Peter, or that, that when Jesus was at the house, that Peter's mother-in-law was sick. Obviously, he had a wife. You don't, I, mean, I don't know why you would just want a mother-in-law, not the wife, but you know, I don't know. That's not for me to say. <clears throat> so I think we can assume right, that, um, that, that he had a wife. So. But, but we see here as well, again, that, that you know, he, there, there is that, that, um, the idea here that, hey, they, 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 they supported financially the, the apostles and their families. And in verse, um, going on in verse 6, it says, Or do only Barnabas and I not have the right to refrain from working? So at this time, um, Paul, was, you know, Paul was working. Him and Barnabas, they were, they were, they were working to, to provide for themselves. They weren't asking the church at Corinth for anything. They were, they were supplying their own needs. But he says here, do, do we, me and Barnabas, uh, only have uh, the right to not stop working, right? Do we, uh, we're the only ones that have to keep working. The rest of the apostles, they don't have to. He's basically again. He's trying to lay down this point. It's like, no, we have this right. This is something that that you should be you should be doing. But again, he's saying all this in context. Like, but hey, I'm, I'm refusing those things because for the sake of the gospel. Um, it says in Acts 18 verses 1 through 3. It says then Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. There he became acquainted with a Jew named Aquila, born of Pontus, who had recently arrived from Italy with his wife Priscilla. They had left Italy when Claudius Caesar deported all the Jews from Rome. Paul lived and worked with them, for they were tent makers, just as he was. That's where we get this term. Maybe you've heard it before, maybe you hadn't, but but sometimes we use this term in regards to like missions. We say, well, "What is what are you doing as a as a tent maker?" It's not like you're actually making tents. Paul did, but it means like, is there like, are you do you have a, a job in regards to like you know as well as ministering? Um, so we see here that Paul, he worked, you know, in Corinth, he worked for, for, uh, for his own wages, and he didn't really ask the, the church so much, but is this like, you know, the normal thing? And some people, they would say, well, look at Paul did, he, Paul, Paul worked, so we shouldn't have to provide for the, the pastor, we shouldn't have to financially support him, he should work and do those things. But, uh, but we see here that that wasn't, that wasn't the normal thing. In 2 Corinthians 11, 7 and 9, Paul says this, he says, was I wrong when I humbled myself and honored you by preaching God's good news to you without expecting anything returned? And he says, I robbed other churches by accepting their contributions so I can serve you at no cost. And when I was with you and I didn't have enough to live on, I did not become a financial burden to anyone. For the brothers who came from Macedonia brought me all that I needed. I, never, I have never been a burden to you and I never will be. And again, in regards, um, you know, with Corinth, he was, he felt that, hey, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna like try to, you know, have to deal with them and, and or try to ask anything from them. And but he says, I mean, obviously he's received contributions from other churches. He said, I robbed other churches, so I can minister to you guys. So, 
it wasn't that Paul was opposed to this whatsoever. That say, hey, we shouldn't be, you know, don't, you know, don't financially support any pastor or anything like that. But he's saying here is like, no, like I, I took from other churches so I can minister to you. And um, you know, the brothers from Macedonia, they came and brought me all that I needed. I didn't have to ask anything from you guys. I didn't, I didn't want to lay that burden upon you guys. I wanted just to minister to you guys. But he took from others. And we see here again that um, that we, you know, that he was he's saying is like, hey, it, it's okay. It's to expect those things. And now he's going to give some examples from a human, you know, some basically from, from world examples, right? He says here in verse 7, who at any time serves as a soldier at his own expense, right? That makes sense, right? When you go into the army or when, you know, back in the day when, when, when you're a drafter, you go in, like, you don't have to, you don't pay for anything, right? You don't have to pay for your own uniform, your own, your own uh, gun, like, all those things are provided for you, so so you can, you know, train and be a good soldier, right? Like, it's not like if, it'd be a hard thing if you're like, okay, you want to be a soldier, then you have to, like, work as well, get another job so you can buy your boots, your weapons, whatever. Yeah, we're not going to provide those for you. But no, though those things are, are all taken care of for the soldiers so they can, uh, so they can be a good soldier and worry about those things. Um, and he kind of parallels this as well. In Second Timothy 2, 4, the soldiers don't get tied up in the affairs of civilian life so that they can... Um, for they cannot please the officer who enlisted them, right? He's, he's basically saying to Timothy, who's a young pastor, say, don't get caught up in, like, just the drama of this life. You, like, fulfill your ministry. And, and kind of in the same way, right, soldiers, they don't, they're not supposed to get tied up in those things. They're supposed to be, you know, ready and um, for their duties and whatever they have to be doing. They have to be on those things and on those tasks to please their commanding officers. In the same way, we have to do that, you know, and in, in, as pastors as well, we need to be... Um, doing what we're supposed to do. But he says here, he's giving examples, like, hey, soldiers don't have to do this. So, And then he goes on, he, um, who plants a vineyard and does not eat the fruit of it? Right, again, he's like, hey, if it, no, one, if no one's going to, like, think that's a weird thing if you're, you plant your own vineyard and you're, like, taking from it, right? No one's going to say, well, what are you doing? Like, you can't do that. It's like, well, it belongs to me. And it, it's, right, that, that's just, that's not common sense. It's just, a, it's, it's a common sense thing. Like, hey, this is mine. Like, I, I, I'm the one who labored for it. I'm the one who, who dug it out on the one who's taking care of it, so I should be the one who receive, should receive the, the spoils of fruit after that. And then, or who tends a flock and does not use the milk of the flock? And he's giving all these examples in regards to, like, just normal things that they would deal with in, in regards to jobs and, and affairs in the world. Like, oh, yeah, that makes sense, of course. Like, you know, you, you do these things. Certain jobs, you know, they, when you go on a job, they provide the things that you need, the tools or whatever the case may be. So you can do do your job unhindered and un and you know un, uh, unburdened with anything else. You can just do it and have to um <coughs> and and get the job done. And then he goes in verses eight. He kind of talks about he's going to talk about the in regards how this these things. It says in verse eight, I am not speaking these things according to human judgment, am I? So what he's saying is like I didn't, I didn't just like think of these things myself. They're not just something I thought of, or or we just say, hey, we should do this because this sounds really good. No, this is something that's even in the Old Testament. So it's not like they can say, it's like, oh, well, Paul and the rest of the apostles, they just have their opinions about this. They just kind of made this up so they can, you know, have a good life and, and just basically live off of us. But no, it's in the Old Testament as well. And he says here, in, uh, continuing in verse 8, so or does not the law also say these things? In verse 9, for it is written in the law of Moses, you shall not muzzle the ox while he is threshing. Right, what, what they used to do, you know, the, back in those days, they would they would allow ox to just be on like on, on, a, on a rope with a wheel and they'd go in a circle and they would they would just thresh out the, the wheat, but they wouldn't muzzle the ox. They would let the ox eat because, yeah, he's, 
I mean, it would be cruel to just muzzle the ox so he wasn't able to, to eat what was there. But, um, but he says here, is like, is, is, is God concerned about the ox? No, he wrote this for, for us, right? This is for us. And um, uh, I saw one, comment, one commentator said, hey, you know, ox, they don't know how to read, so that's not for them, it's for us, right? <laughs> right, so um, it, that's, that's for us. That, that, uh, that whole thing is for us. There's that, that spiritual principle he brings out, and he says, um, you know, he's not concerned about oxes. He, he's concerned about the pastor making sure that he's provi- to provided for him. And Jesus said, go out in all the world and make disciples of all nations. You know, they knew that he was going to provide for their needs. And, and this is one of the ways that he does it through the church. And, um, you know, as, as we continue to go on, I want to kind of like, you know, just talk about, uh, again, as, we, as we're going through this, we see, you know, we, maybe in our minds we're like, oh, yeah, there, there's, we've seen it, though, all before, like with other pastors, with other churches, you know, they're, they abuse that authority. They they take from the church, or they rob the church. Pastors come, and they have you know the, the church starts growing. They're getting tithes and offerings. They start getting a little a little bit of money in the bank. So eventually, maybe they can buy their own building or whatever the case may be. But then the the pastor takes off with everything and splits. And it's like, man, the the church is just devastated. <clears throat> and you read these stories, or you see you know these um these other you know preachers always talking about health and wellness, you know health prosperity and. And how oh you know God never wants you to be to be um to be broke or and He never wants you to be sick and if you're doing those things obviously you're not giving that much so you should give more then you'll be healed and and all this and all these things and how they play on people's emotions and how and on people's um you know their their desire to truly go and and draw close to the Lord but they but they use that and they and they abuse that authority um and I want to I guess talk about it a little bit you know that's our hearts here is like we I don't think you know this is obviously this is just my opinion but I don't think a a pastor should ever live above the means of his people, right? I mean, how it'd be hard for us to minister when someone is going through a financial struggle. They're like, yeah, I know, what you, I know what you're going through, man. Like, I know you're dealing with this. And like, well, how can you have like a brand new, you know, Rolls Royce or whatever the case may be? And sometimes we can, we, and, and, and you know, it's all, there's all these things like how much should a pastor make? How much should he not make? But, but we see, you know, there's, there's people out there that have, you know, their own planes and jets and all these things and, and, you know, different, five different houses or whatever the case may be. And, you know, I, they're going to have to deal with, with God on those things. I can't, you know, speak to those things. But I know for ourselves here, all I can speak of is, is the heart of our, our leadership here. That's not our desire, you know, to, to, ever, um, to ever live above the people. Like, you know, we're, we, we want to um, we want to be in the trenches with you guys. Like, it, it, it should never be, you know, where we're, uh, at, you know, again, when I, when I came on board, like, I knew I, was, I wasn't going to be making all this millions of dollars. That was never my desire or my intention, but that, but that is the heart of our, um, of us here, you know, when we, when we plan events, when we do camps, or whatever the case may be, especially when I do camps for the youth, I'm always, one of my main things I always think of is, like, how much is this going to cost for the parents, you know, like, there's, there's camps that we've been invited to, they're, like, they're, for the weekend, it's raging, like, on over, like, $200 or more, and I'll be honest, I won't pay for, (laughs) I wouldn't pay for that for the weekend, and I can't expect you guys to, and I wouldn't do that, and, um, and, you know, and you know, I don't know. Some people might call me cheap. Maybe I am. I don't know. But I, but I just I wouldn't I wouldn't do those things. So those things are like a they're a big deal to me. Like it's like no, I'm not gonna like put that burden on a parent. I know the kids want to go, but like we'll we'll find another camp. There's other camps. You know, God can. You know, sometimes we think, oh, if you don't go to this camp, they have the best facilities. They have the best food. And it's like well, God can work anyway. Like we why are we gonna limit God? Just we think you know we we sometimes look with this with this perspective. It's like oh, they have all these best things. They have the greatest things. They have all these activities. It's like well, those things are. Those things are fun. Those things are, but they're they're byproducts. Like we want to minister to these kids if we're you know if we're in in intense in a you know at a 
campsite and we do a retreat that way, you know, God is going to minister. God can do a powerful work. And sometimes we can limit God because, you know, we see these big things and these, you know, this, these advertisements, but that's, that's not our heart here. And when we, uh, you know, sometimes we do our, we have yard sales and we do breakfast burritos to raise money, but like we're, we're very cautious. We're very considerate. It's like, no, we've, we've done this. We don't want to like, we don't want to strain the people. Like we're not, you know, there's a reason why like after every worship song, like the, the offering bag doesn't go up again, right? It only comes up like, I mean, you know, we, we, um, we're not a, you know, we're, you know, we're, we're here to minister to you guys and, and to serve you guys. And we're not, um, you know, we're, we're not going to do those things. We're always going to be considerate. We're always going to look out and we know that God is going to provide ultimately. And we're not going to try to, um, again, do, do anything like that. We're, we're always cautious of those things. Um, <clears throat> but that's what he says here. And again, there, there's been, there, there has been those abuses and sometimes it's hard. You know, there's, there's been people who've been hurt by those things and they have a you know, they, they, it gives a, a bad taste in the mouth of, to the to people about the church because all you know, the church is always about money. The church is about money, you know. And and uh, I know, you know, pastor, our pastor's heart is, you know, sometimes he's like, oh, we should do this and this. He's like, yeah, we don't need to. It's fine, you know. And, you know, and sometimes like, well, maybe we should like, you know, I don't know, whatever, do make the church look a little nicer. It's like it looks good. It's fine. Whatever, you know. And and um and we, you know, sometimes, but some for some people, we can get caught up in those things. Oh, we have to have this like great-looking church. And obviously we know, like, you know, whatever the Lord gives us possessions-wise, like, we need to be good stewards of those things. But at the same time, you know, there's, there's, there's a balance in all that stuff. There's, there's lines, and, and uh, we, we're always going to, um, you know, we're always going to, I guess, err on the side of, you know, not looking over, uh, I don't know, over-appealing, I guess you can say. But, but anyway, as we continue on... Um, he goes on in verse um, verse 10, he says, or is he speaking altogether for our sakes? Yes, for our sake, it was written because the plowman not to plow in hope and the thresher to thresh um, in hope sharing the crops. And then in verse 11, he says this, if we sow spiritual things in you, is it too much to ask if we reap material things from you? You know, I heard the story of a, uh, this is an older story, I guess, in, 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 of a pastor in Kentucky you know, he had a, he was a pastor of a congregation, and he had a, he always, you know, it was back in the old days, because he said he rode on a horse, so, you know, he rode on this horse, and he had this really nice horse, and sometime, one time, one of his uh, people from his congregation said, hey, pastor, um, or reverend, you know, call him reverend, said, well, you have such a nice horse, and the horse looks well-fed, but you're such a skinny fellow, you, you look like you haven't eaten, or you look like you're kind of raggedy, and he's like, well, it's like, because I feed the horse and you guys are supposed to feed me, you know, and it was just kind of one of those things. Um, <coughs> so, I know, I don't know. Yeah. Shots fired, right? Yeah. But, um, but he says all this, and he's, again, he's going through these, uh, these, these, these Old Testament things. And again, sometimes we think, well, this is the Old Testament. It doesn't, it doesn't really, you know, we, you know we, we're, we're under the new covenant. But all these things, there's principles that we can draw out of this. Um, uh, the, an old saint, his name is St. Augustine, said this about the, the new and the Old Testament. He says, the new is the old concealed, and the old is by the new revealed, right? Everything, you know, everything in the, in the Bible, it all, you know, it all points to Jesus Christ. But even, even the Lord, he used, you know, he, he, uh, he referenced the Old Testament, the scriptures in regards to those things. And that verse that he gets that from uh, Paul, it's in Deuteronomy 25.4 says the same thing, you must not muzzle an ox to keep it from eating as it treads out the grain. And again, uh, you know, God said this, and, and Paul, he brought out, he saw the spiritual principle of those things, that hey, yeah, 
you need to we need to be providing for you know those in leadership so they can continue to do the word of of God and then uh in first Timothy five seventeen and eighteen he says the same thing he says, let the elders who rule well or you know the, those in leadership be counted worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in, in word and doctrine for the scripture says you shall not uzzle a an ox while he threads on the grain, and the laborer is worthy of his wages. And again, those come from Deuteronomy 25.4. Then that's that's kind of the word of the Lord saying in Luke 10.10. 10. He says the same thing. And again, this verse in First Timothy has been uh, has been abused. Some people have some pastors have interpreted that as say, oh, he's worthy of double honor. So whoever whoever has like the biggest salary in the church, whatever that is, let's double it for the pastor. And I think that's wrong, right? I don't think that's the right thing to do whatsoever. But um, but you know, again, there's been those abuses of the of those scriptures to try to, you know, to um, to I don't know to have the good life, I suppose. But um, but it's a spiritual principle again that that he uh, that he's bringing out is that hey, the the worker is worthy of his wages. And uh, verse eleven again, it says, "We reap spiritual blessings um, from you uh, since you reap spiritual blessings from us. It's too much to ask for material things." And then we have this kind of this principle in Romans chapter 15, verses 25 to 27. I like giving a lot of scriptures, so if you guys are note takers, um, you know, hopefully you know, that'll help you guys out. But it says in Romans chapter 15, But before I come, I must go to Jerusalem to take a gift to the believers there. For you see, the believers in Macedonia and Acacia have eagerly taken up an offering for the poor among the believers in Jerusalem. And it says this, They were glad to do this because they feel they owe a real debt to them since the Gentiles received the spiritual blessings of the good news from the believers in Jerusalem. They felt that the least they can do in return is to help them financially. And that was interesting, right? Even these believers in, in Macedonia and Acacia are on the other side of, of you know, um, so far away from where Jerusalem was, where, you know, basically where Christianity was birthed, right? They, they said, hey, we felt like, man, we owe them such a debt because they brought, you know, because of them, they brought, you know, salvation unto us. So, it wasn't. A, it wasn't a big thing to them. To say I'm, we're gonna we're gonna provide for these believers in Jerusalem because they were being persecuted. They were being you know fired and and, and let go from their jobs and and uh, you know shunned from their families. So they you know they were in need. And it wasn't a it wasn't a big thing to them. To be like, yeah, we're gonna give. We're gonna. It says they were eager to do this. And so we see that principle as well. It's like hey, you know they were able to do those to do those things. We should be doing those things. It's something that's like yeah, we should be doing this. It's, it's a it's it's a no brainer. In Galatians six six, it says this. Those who are taught the word of God should provide to, for their teachers, sharing all good things with them. And again, guys, there's been uh, there's been those abuses and everything from uh, from you know pastors or whatever ministers in regards to to financial. It seems like every every single Bible study they teach, they always bring it back to like you got to give, right? It always comes back to the money, and sometimes it can be that way. But we have to. But if we read what the what the Word of God says, what Jesus said in regards to that, when um you know Jesus, he's um during his earthly ministry in Matthew eight, eighteen through twenty, it says this when Jesus saw the crowd around him, he instructed his disciples to cross to the other side of the lake. And it says then then uh, one of the teachers of the religious law said to him, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. But Jesus said, Reply, the foxes have dens to live in, the birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place even to lay his head. What's he saying here? He's you know, again at this time this is where Jesus had kind of like he, he was he had this popularity. The crowds were coming to him because he was healing them, and he was saying words with authority that the Pharisees couldn't say. So, you know, there there'd be those who'd be like, "Hey, man, this this looks like it. This looks like it's a good business. If I keep going with Jesus, maybe I can benefit from that." But he says here, "Hey, teacher, I'll follow you wherever you go, Jesus. Wherever you go, I'll follow you." 
And then Jesus tells him, hey, the foxes have dens to live in, and the birds have nests, but the Son of Man doesn't have a place to lay his head. That's an interesting answer, right? He says, yeah, come along, for sure, yeah, anyone, let's, let's do this. Let's, let's further the kingdom. He says, no, he says this because he's trying to let him know, say, hey, this isn't like what I'm doing here. It's, it's, it's not the good life, right? It's uncomfortable. There's going to be times, he says, you know, I, the, the Son of Man doesn't have a place to lay his head. Like, he didn't have a home in his own. We never hear about Jesus having his own little condo, right, or whatever, right? But he, he, was, he, he stayed out places. He was, um, you know, he was, he was kind of, in a sense, provided for those that he ministered to. Yeah, he stayed at the house of uh, Mary and, and Martha and Lazarus, right? He stayed at Peter's house. And so it, it, was, it wasn't this thing where it's like, oh, man, we're going to have the good life. He's like, no, this is, it's, it's going to be uncomfortable serving me and, and following after me. You know, it's, it, it shouldn't be, uh, you know, the, the principle of following the Lord. It, it's not about, you know, hey, if we follow the Lord, we're going to have the good life here. We're going to have all these things. You know, Jesus said in, in John 16, he said, hey, in this world, there's going to be trials and tribulations. That, that's, that's, and he was, he was straightforward. He said, but, but be of good courage. I've overcome the world, right? He didn't say, he's like, hey, but, be, be, but it's okay. Like, you're not going to have to deal with these. I'll shield you from every single thing. You're just going to be okay and just sing happy songs all day about me and, and not worry about anything. No, he says, there's going to be these things, but I've overcome the world. Trust in me. You know, find your strength in me. In Matthew 16, 24, Jesus says this, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone wants to be my follower, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Right? That's, that's pretty straightforward, right? Um, at this time, that was a radical statement. It was like, because the cross meant death. It didn't mean, hey, if you follow me, you're going to have the good life. You're going to make all this money. You're going to have all these material wealth and things. He didn't say that at all. He said, you follow me, you're gonna, you have to deny yourself. Deny those things. Take up your cross and follow me. That's, that's, that's the principle of this. And uh, since, you know, since Jesus identified with the, you know, with the common person, with the common people of his day, not, well, not with the elite of society, you know, it, it shouldn't be, um, we shouldn't think any less of, of a, anyone, of a minister or even anyone who serves the Lord. We should desire to, he set an example for us to follow. You know, we can't, you know, sometimes we try to veer and say, oh, well, maybe, you know, maybe we can do this or do this. Maybe we should be making those things. But no, he's, he says here, hey, that's, if you follow me, like, it's going to be an uncomfortable life. But what does the scripture say then about in regards to, like, hey, what, you know, like, in regards to how a pastor should be, how it, or whatever, um, how they should, should live. And um, there's this awesome verse in First Peter chapter 5, verses 1 through 4. It says this, Therefore I exhort the elders among you, as your fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ, and the partaker also of the glory that is to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God among you. Right? He's talking to pastors, basically. Exercise and oversight, not under the compulsion, but voluntarily, according to the will of God, and not for sorbid gain, but with eagerness, nor yet as lording it over those who are allotted to your charge, but providing but proving to be an example to the flock, and when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. That should be the any minister's aim, right? To to one day be like, Lord, everything you entrusted me, to me, like I, I, you know, I did everything I, you know, to I did everything I could to, you know, to um, fulfill that calling. All right? It says not for sorrow to gain. You know, again, it, it it comes back to that point. Like it shouldn't be about those things. And obviously, again, we've seen those things in in churches and and wherever in regards to you know, where, where there's been scandals or there's been all these things where they're giving to the, you know, to the church. But under all that, you know, the, the pastors, you know, skimming off the top of those things. And, and, and we've seen all those things, but it, it shouldn't be that way, right? The scripture is pretty clear on those things. And we should um, remember that. So going on, it goes on in verse 
the last part of verse 12, if, uh, well, let's read verse 12. If others share the right over you, do we not more? Nevertheless, we did not use this right, but we endear all things so that we will cause no hindrance to the gospel of Christ. Again, he did this in regards to this church because he didn't want to hinder the gospel of Christ. Right? But again, it wasn't something that was a normal thing. In verse 13, do you not know that those who perform sacred services eat the food of the temple? And those who attend regularly to the altar have their share from the altar. So also the Lord directed those who proclaim the gospel to get their, li- their living from the gospel. And again, we come to this point. He says about the priests that offer the sacred, um, you know, the, due to the service, the Levites. In Deuteronomy, it talks about that when, um, <clears throat> when God portioned out the land of Israel to the 12 tribes, the only one who didn't get any, any land, any inheritance was the Levites, the tribe of Levi. God said that he would be his that he would be their inheritance, but they didn't get no land. And obviously a part of, you know, back in those days, like you needed land, you needed a farm, you needed to grow crops. To, you know, they didn't have Seder Brothers. You know, you couldn't just go to the grocery market. You had to provide for yourself. But when God said, hey, the, the Levites aren't going to get that. They're going to be ministering to me and to you. But as you look in, if you look, read Leviticus and Numbers, you see that God took care of the Levites. So through the people, all the sacrifices that they gave, the Levites would have a portion of each of that sacrifice. They would have the meat, and when they would give, you know, a, the tithe, that's where the tithe comes from, from the Old Testament. A part of that is so the, so the Levites can have, you know, so they didn't have to worry about my family. I didn't have to worry about, you know, making sure I have money for this, this, and that. Like, God was going to provide for them. But obviously, according, you know, to, to what they needed, not to, like, what they wanted, right? That's, and again, we, um, we sometimes get those two mixed up. Lord, I, I need, like, I don't know, a 10-bedroom house. I need that. To minister more effectively. I don't know, maybe not, maybe maybe do, maybe don't, right? But we see that God took care of the Levites, and he took care of his people, and um, and again, he's going he's gonna to take care of his people, but he used, you know, the rest of the tribes, the rest of the nation, Israel, to help the Levites out, because, you know, they weren't able to do the sacrifices themselves. That was the, that was the, the system that was set up to, in order to come to worship God, to come before God, you had to bring the, the sacrifice, but the priest is the one who had to do everything. You couldn't do it yourself. You couldn't offer up the sacrifices or, or the burn the incense. And if you guys remember in the, I believe it's in the book of Kings, when King Uzziah, he did that. You know, he was puffed up with pride and he, and he um, offered a sacrifice or I believe it was incense to the Lord and said the Lord struck him with leprosy because he wasn't supposed to do that. That wasn't what God had in place. And so they had to do this. So that was, that was their main ministry. They had to continue to, to serve the people and to minister to God. But God was going to provide for them. And he provided through the system that was that was there in the Old Testament. It's like, hey, the, that tenth, that part of that, the offerings that you give to the temple, that's for the priests, so they can just continue unhindered to minister to me and to you. <clears throat> and the last verse in 14 again, it says, so the Lord directed those who proclaim the gospel to get their living from the gospel. Um, I don't want to lose the, the context again from this. Well, Paul, he says all this, he, he lays down all these things, you know, he basically proves through everything that he's been saying, that, hey, yeah, uh, uh, you know, the the church that's being ministered to, that's, that's being a spirit, that's reaping those spiritual blessings, you know, they should be able to support their, you know, those, the, their minister. But Paul says all this because not to, you know, to basically say, hey, I have all these rights, but I refuse them for the sake of the gospel so I can preach to you. And we come back to that point about our liberty and our responsibility to one another. Right, yeah, you know, we, we, we read the scriptures and what they say, in regards to this, and, and it, you know, that's, again, you know, we're able to do things, you know, when, when everything happened with the Blue Cup fire, we've been able to, to minister to a lot of people, to help out a lot of people, and, and before, 
you know, before like me or, or Pastor Daniel or anyone came on staff, like the, the, there'd be no way to, to do what we've been able to do. And it's nothing of ourselves whatsoever, but God has just been providing us to, to be able to go out and to minister to these hurting people who are out there. And, and, you know, we're able to go on campus and, and talk to kids. You know, I'm able to go on campus and talk to kids at the school. That's something like I wouldn't be able to do before then. And, um, there, you know, there's, there's, uh, again, there's, there's things that, that, um, you know, God has provided those ways for us, but in the end, you know, we, we, I want to get back to the point of, of liberty and responsibility. You know, we have all these things that we're able to do in Christ. We're free to, to live for Jesus, but again, it, if it's going to stumble our brother or sister, we have to remember that our, our, our hearts and minds should be for, since we, since we belong to Christ, you know, Christ is, is, uh, it says in Mark ten forty five that the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life a ransom for many. He left us an example. You know, there's no way around that. There's no way to say, oh man, he's the one who did it first. And we can't say, I was like, well, you know, we can't make an excuse and say, oh, you know, I, I, I don't know if I should do that. I was like, no, you, you know, your Lord, your master, he did that. So we have that example to follow. There's no way to get around those things. So with that, let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much, God, for your goodness. Lord, we know, Father, that you are a great provider, God. And Lord, again, there's been so much uh, abuse in that, in that area, in the topic of, you know, supporting the pastors and everything, Lord, but I pray, Lord, that we would, um, Lord, be of one mind, Lord. Lord, we trust in you and all that we have, Lord, and all that we, all we do, Lord, that, Lord, your economy is different from the economy of this world, Father, and we know that you're going to provide for us, Lord. But we thank you, Lord, that you set the example for us, Lord, that you, Lord, that you, uh, Lord, bow down and, and wash the disciples' feet, Lord. And it's not a, it shouldn't be a, an issue to us when we want to, when we serve other people, Lord, because we, we should be serving one another. We should be lifting each other up, Lord, in the body of Christ. Lord, we love you. We praise you, Lord, and be with us as we worship you, Lord. Just We just want to sing to you, Lord, because you're worthy, and we love you in your name. Amen.